Okay, so uh, welcome everyone. Welcome if you're here for the first time. It's really great to have you with us. Um, uh, we hope you come back. Um, I'm going to speak from Acts again, our continuing our series in Acts. Um, there's a quote by C.S. Lewis that says this, Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And basically, <clears throat> this is how we develop all relationships, isn't it? We need to think less of ourselves and focus on someone else a little bit more. And that's true of marriage, but it's also true of the Lord Jesus Christ and our relationship with him. It's basically how we became a Christian, isn't it? We, uh, we realized that uh, we're not the center of the universe. Um, my son did a, a little model, which I was hoping to bring, of the solar system, where the sun's in the middle and all the other planets rotate. But unfortunately, I think Neptune, Venus, and uh, Mercury had fallen off, and it was looking a little bit sad. So uh, I didn't bring that. But we have got a picture here of the, the solar system. And we, that's how we begin. We often set out in life when we think we're the center of the universe, and everything revolves around us. And we're like the sun. And uh, when we become Christians, we realize that actually... There's a higher being that goes outside of all time and space, and his name's God. And uh, there's a quote there from the Bible, and God made the two great lights, the sun, which we're seeing quite a lot of recently, we don't normally see so much of it, and the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night, and the throwaway comment, and the stars. I mean, I find that astonishing, and... Um, the sort of throwaway comment and the stars. I think there's a, a billion, trillion, something stars out there. So um, that's what happens when we become a Christian. We humbly realize that we're not the center of the universe. But um, what can often happen is we start out humbly submitting to God, but then pride can set in and we think, we can actually do it on our own strength, and we do know better, and we're actually quite wise. And, uh, um, and what I'm going to look at this morning is how we combat that. Because, hello, Sybil, I can just see behind the pillar there. Shall I move that way? Is that better so you don't have to crane? There we go. And actually, the way we combat pride in our lives, one of the best ways we come against it is prayer. Because... That's us admitting that we can't do it in our own lives and we need a higher being to get involved. And it's thinking of your selfless and actually leaning on and trusting in God's wisdom and power and ability to make change in our lives. So it's the, it's the humble person that bows the knee and prays to God. At the heart of uh, humility is our need of a relationship with Jesus. At the heart of any relationship is communication. And I think, you know, if you went on any marriage course, communication would be on the list of things they discuss. Any business leadership course, communication, how you communicate with one another is so key. And with our relationship with the Lord Jesus, it's so key that we learn to communicate with him. We pray to him, we talk to him each day to develop a deep, meaningful relationship 
with God. Pride strives and raves. This is a quote I did, so I can't. Humility prays. And pride strives to do it in your own strength. It raves about yourself and your own wisdom. But humility just falls on their knees and prays. So Muhammad Ali, not a particularly uh, humble person, but he did say this. And I'm going to just uh, base this morning's talk around this. Muhammad Ali said this. He's a boxer. The fight is won or lost far away from witnesses. Behind the lines, in the gym, out on the road, long before I dance under those lights. Now, the extract we're going to look at from Acts is, I think, the early um, followers in the gym praying. And we're going to look through the window and we're going to see how they do it, how they exercise and how they become healthy in their prayer life. And um, so I'm going to just use this analogy. And I've got sort of 10 different things which we're going to go through as we look at the extract in Acts. Uh, kind of 10 ways that we can uh, exercise our prayer life and how we can uh, just training tips on how we might be able to improve. So um, let's look at how Peter prepares for the fight. And Peter got it wrong before. He tried to do things in his own strength. Do you remember when he got out his sword and whopped off the ear of the, the centurion? That was just doing it in his own strength. That was in his own wisdom. He's messed up before when pride got the better of him and a teenage girl just challenged him about whether he, he knew Jesus. And he oh, no, no, not me. It was just pride. But we're going to look here how he does humbly submit and... Uh, how we can learn to trust God in everything by talking to him first. Okay, so the background of this passage that we're going to read, this extract, this historical event that happens, is that Peter and John were arrested, and uh, they were arrested for healing the beggar, which we spoke of a few weeks ago. They were cross-examined by uh, by, by, by those who brought him in, uh, and when they responded, they said, because uh, they were asking, what were you doing? Wh- whose name did you do this under? And they said they did it in the name of Jesus. And um, they couldn't deny it, the chief priests and everyone, they couldn't deny that this guy had been healed. And so they tried to muzzle them. They thought, they, he, these guys cannot keep doing this. It's going to cause an unrest. And so they, they forbade, forbid them from speaking, demanded them that they would speak they wouldn't speak or teach anymore in the name of Jesus. And then they were released. So they're probably quite fearful. They were released. And this is the extract that we're coming to in Acts 4, 23, 31, straight after their release from being arrested. We'll read the passage. So Acts 4, 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot, people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up 
and the rulers band together against Lord and against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats that they'd just been given to themselves by the chief priests and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So I'm just going to quickly run through these 10 exercises in uh, prayer, and then I'll just break them down a little bit further. So for number one, they immediately went to their friends. So they, they had this pressing um, circumstances, and what did they do? They immediately went to their friends. Number two, they reported what the chief priest said. Number three, they raised their voices. Number four, they raised their voices together. Five, they opened their prayer, declaring God's name. They reminded God and themselves of his power. They reminded God and themselves of what God had said through his promises in the past. Eight, they related the promises to their current circumstances. Nine, they acknowledged that what was happening was God's will. And ten, they asked God a specific request. Okay, so there's lots of different prayers in the Bible, and this is just another one. This is actually one of the longest prayers in the New Testament. And so I thought we should look at it. We often look at the Lord's Prayer. Here's another prayer, which we, hopefully we can learn some things from these early followers of Christ. So number one, they immediately went to their friends. In verse 23, previously in Acts, we read about how they devoted themselves to the fellowship of the believers. I've just been kind of getting to grips with that recently. And actually, it's a profound thing, being joined together with Christian friends and family. It's a powerful thing. It says they devote themselves to the fellowship of the believers, to the apostles' teaching, and prayer and breaking of bread. So... You may put some of these up higher than others, but I want you to really value fellowship of the believers. They immediately went to their friends. We read that in verse 23. If you're experiencing opposition, if people are attacking you, if you want to see breakthrough in a situation, don't linger around those people that are doing you harm. Don't mull it over on your own in isolation. Go to some friends. Simple, isn't it? Go to some friends. Be amongst friends. Be amongst your church family. Okay, that's first point. Number two, they reported the facts. They, they basically said what the chief priest had said to them. In verse 23, they relayed the facts to their friends. When coming to pray, I don't know about you, you can kind of have the circumstances and you can talk around them. You can come up with some different ways that you could have maybe 
what you could have said. You can get a bit emotional. You can think, oh, I should have approached that differently. I should have said that differently. You can beat yourself up. You can think, oh, maybe I can fix it if I do this. You maybe just start grumbling. Oh, this is awful. I can't believe this situation. And it goes on and on. These guys, they immediately went to the friends and they just reported the facts. They just said, this is the situation. I think we can learn something from this. Why don't we say, this is my situation. Let's pray. It's actually quite releasing. It's like it can make you so weary trying to work it out yourself. Trying to struggle and work out how to bring about change, transformation in people's lives. Now, it's not recorded here, but th these guys didn't grumble about the situation. They didn't grumble about the chief priests banning them from speaking. They just reported the facts back. Okay, number three. They raised their voices. Verse 24. When they heard the situation, it seems like all spontaneously, if you look at this passage again, they just all raised their voices. They all shouted out, Sovereign Lord. So when I encourage you to raise your voices in prayer, or someone from the front says, let's raise our voices to pray, this isn't just us trying to whip up some emotion. I can't whip anything up. I really can't. I can't even whip cream very successfully. I tend to go a bit too long. It all goes a bit like cheesy. So I, can't, I don't want to whip anything up when I say, let's raise our voices and shout. But I do think it's biblical to raise our voices and shout. And that's why I would encourage you to do it. It says in Psalm 41, 7, Shout to the Lord with loud songs of joy. Now we will see lots of people raising their voices, shouting around us. You just have to look at the terraces and the football. They're all raising the name of their God, aren't they? England, or whatever team they're supporting. Just go to a concert, they'll all be raising the name, shouting the name of their God. We love you, Justin Bieber, or whoever it may be. That's not me, that was her. Everyone else with their gods will be raising the name and shouting the name of their gods. So don't be shy and bashful in raising the name of your God. He's not, it's not that he's deaf, it's not that he's hard of hearing. He's certainly not timid. He's not shy. We can't scare him. Let's raise our voices together in a bold declaration of who we're praying to. Fourthly, they raise their voices together. So this comes back to being amongst friends. Yes, I, it's good to pray on your own, but it's so good to pray with others, to join with others. For years, um, I thought it would be really good if I did training and did some uh, exercise at home. <laughs> so I got some dumbbells. And uh, I think probably in the last 20 years of marriage, I've used those dumbbells maybe, probably 10 times in total. 
And most of those times are probably from me just moving them from one part of the house, from the loft downstairs, from moving it to under the bed, to out in the shed. <laughs> Doing exercise on your own is actually really hard. It's really hard to motivate yourself. It's the same with prayer. It's a good discipline. But praying with others is much easier. I joined a gym about 18 months ago. It's much easier doing it with others. It's just a social thing. When, people, when you're struggling, they say, keep going. In prayer meetings together, if you're lost for words, there'll always be someone else that will raise their voice. There'll be other prayer warriors that will fill that awkward silence. Felix, he'll come up and pray. He won't get a word in edgeways, so then he starts... There's good men and women that will do you good when you pray with them. So pray together. Number five. They open their prayer declaring God's name. Sovereign Lord. This is a good exercise. This is a good exercise for you to do. Declare the name of the one who you are addressing. Last week, um, Dave gave us lots of different names and talked about the name of God and how important and powerful it is. So here, they shouted out, Sovereign Lord, confirming his title. Confirming his title and his position in this situation. Sovereign Lord. They just come from the kind of lords of the earth, the, the chief priests, the ones who are in control. So it was good for them to actually realize there's someone else far greater than the kings of this earth. Chronicles 1, 29, 11, 12 says this, Yours, O Lord, is the greatest. Sorry, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in, in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. You are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and give strength to all. So by saying, Sovereign Lord, they are from the outset saying who is in control, who's seated on the throne. Sovereign Lord is probably the best prayer anyone on this earth can say. Sovereign Lord. He's sovereign, but is he sovereign Lord of your life? It's the most important prayer you can pray. When we acknowledge him as our Lord and Master. Maybe there's some here this morning that are under the government of someone else, under the rule of someone else, under the kingdom of darkness here this morning. And you've never yourself declared Jesus as your Lord. It was mentioned earlier that we're doing a Christianity Explored course. There's three people on that course who haven't yet said it, but they are inquiring. They realize, they're humbly coming that they realize that they might not have it all summed up themselves. They may not know all the answers. 
And they're just seeking on this course, Christianity Explored. They've got brilliant questions. My prayer is that they will come to the end of the course or even during the course and they'll be able to say, Sovereign Lord, come and be Lord of my life. Come and take control. So I might give you an opportunity later if, that wants, if you want to make that choice today and say, this is the day I want to say, come and take control of my life. Come and be Lord and Savior of my life. So uh, back to the training of how we can pray. When we open in prayer, why don't you consider some of God's titles? I've, uh, I have got a slide which you're going to really struggle to see because it's very small. But there's a slide with lots of different names of God and his attributes. And, um, you know, we're taught to pray our Father. But there's other ways we can pray. Jehovah Rapha. That's his name. God heals. Jehovah Jireh. God provides. Now, all of you will be in different circumstances. In this situation... They need to know that God was in control, seated on the throne, far above all other kings of the earth. When you pray, why don't you address God with the name which kind of is relevant to your circumstance? Maybe you need to know healing. Pray, Jehovah Rapha, God who heals. That's your name. At the end of the meeting, we're going to probably pull this up. And I'm going to ask you to get out your Bibles and maybe choose one of these names and address God. And we're going to pray out together. We might have to get you to all come to the first two rows or three rows so you can actually see these. And uh, we're going to raise our voices and we're going to pray. Addressing God and one of his names. Okay. They reminded God and themselves of his power. In verse 24... He says, who made the heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them? It's so good when you come to pray just to remind yourself of his power, his might and his deeds. He's the creator, sustainer. It quickly puts our little mountains in perspective. When we realize that our feeble efforts will surmount to nothing and we submit to his inexhaustible, unquenchable, unparalleled power. Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen says, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Number seven, they reminded God and themselves of what God had said through his promises in the past. So verse 25, it says, Who, through the mouth of our father David, said this. And this is taken from Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord, against his anointed one. So it's taken from Psalm 2, and they were just reminding themselves that this was prophesied and foretold and promised before time. This was in God's word. And so when 
Jesus was put on trial and taken to the authorities and Pontius Pilate and Herod. It's no surprise because this was actually foretold. This was a promise of God that this would happen. So remind God of his promises. Practice praying back his promises to him in different ways. There are numerous promises throughout the Bible. Start to pray them back to him. Matthew 16 says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. That's a promise from God. You want to see this church grow? Pray this promise back to God. You said you'll build your church. Come and build your church here in Addleston and Chertsey. I'm not in Addleston now. I live in Addleston. Come and build your church across this borough. Or later in Psalms 2 that we just read earlier, it says, Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance. That's a promise from God. Ask me and I'll make the nations your inheritance. Pray that back to God. Isaiah 40, earlier week we had a prayer meeting on Tuesday and we were praying through Isaiah 40 where it says, He gives strength to the weary. That's a promise. You weary, pray that back. This is your promise, that you'll give strength to the weary. You know you're praying in line with God's will and his purpose. Romans 8.28, all things God works for good of those who love him. Pray that in, pray that back. Remind God, remind yourself of these promises. Exercise 8, they related the promises to their current circumstances. So the original promise that they were referring to in Psalm 2 was referring to Jesus when he was arrested and put on trial. Then it says in verse 29, Now, Lord, consider their threats. So the chief priests were now threatening the disciples and trying to muzzle them. So they were were bringing these promises into their context. So when you pray through the promises of God, bring them into your context. Relate them to your circumstances. Make it, ground it in the, you know, this is what I'm going through. I don't see how this is working for good. Show me how you're working with this good in this situation. And be very specific about God's promises and bringing them into your current circumstances. So how can we relate this into our circumstances now? Peter and John were um, trying to be muzzled by the chief priests. How are we muzzled now, today, in our circumstances? What are the kings of the age today that try and suppress the church from speaking out? Maybe it's the media, popular culture, political correctness, tolerance. All these things try and silence us, don't they? They try to stop us from declaring that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So pray that we would also be able to speak boldly just as uh, they prayed and that we wouldn't be muzzled. Number nine. They acknowledged that what was happening was God's will. Verse 28 says, they did what 
your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. So they, they declared the promises and they said, well, this is what you planned beforehand, that Jesus would die and suffer on the cross. This was his will. It may not have looked like it to them at the time, but this was God's will. So despite events appearing wrong, it actually says in Isaiah, it was the Lord's will to crush him. So it was the Lord's will to crush him on the cross. So it's important for us to remember that sometimes what's going on through our lives is actually God's will for us. And we might not see it at the time, but it helps us to step back and see the eternal perspective of God. When this was prophesied thousands of years before, they wouldn't have understood it. It was only when Jesus actually went on the cross and was resurrected that it all became clear, the purpose of God and that his will is good and perfect. Number 10, they asked God a specific request. It was just one line. It says, enable your servants to speak with boldness and stretch out your hand to heal and perform miracles, signs and wonders through the name of Jesus. It's really important that we pray specifically for things. Because then we can see how God's answering our prayers. If we have these general prayers, it's hard to actually see what God's done. And it's so good to report what God's done amongst us. Because we can say, we pray for this, and God answered our prayer. So they pray very specifically. Actually, I've got a story here. Um, there was, um, I hope it's okay, Megan. This is a story, Megan's story. But um, I may have shared it already. But a homeless guy came upstairs to food bank. And um, Helen Hallett, the lady who manages food bank, said basically his caravan where he was living was burnt down. And he lost everything, clothing, no food, no furniture. And she wanted to help him. And she said, hey, you know, what furniture do you need? And she said, we'll put you in touch with Beeson product and they will uh, get you some furniture. And she said could you just uh, tell me what colour furniture you'd like? And the, he, this guy was saying, really? And they said, well, this project, they really like specific prayers. They like to pray for specific things for people. And anyway, he kind of fobbed it off as a bit of a joke. And, um, and then we took this, I didn't, but Helen took this guy to the cupboard, which Megan's put together for, um, for clothing for homeless people. And um, we opened the door, and uh, I hope I'm giving the story correctly. But down on the floor was a pair of um, cowboy boots. And uh, I guess everyone would think, oh, well, I've kept cowboy boots. What, what homeless person is going to need a pair of cowboy boots? But apparently this guy got quite emotional. He was in his 60s or so. But his um, career was uh, a children's entertainer as a cowboy. And um, I think he was just taken aback. And these boots fitted him perfectly. And he put them on and walked away. And I just think it's just wonderful. It's just an example of 
how God really does like us to pray specifically. And uh, he really does like to meet our needs specifically. So pray specifically so we can rejoice together at the specific answers of prayer. Okay. So what happened after they prayed in this way? The room shook. Verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. For me, this is just almost God, God's handshake of affirmation and confirmation that he'd heard the prayer and that he was just saying, I've heard, I agree with you, I agree with your promises. Let me fulfill it. And then as we've heard this morning, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Brian's already shared this morning about, are you empty? Are you like those taps which are just empty? Zechariah 4, which was given earlier by Brian, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. We can often look for the manifestation and the power bit first and the, the healing and the room shaking. I just encourage you, we've been saved, not for the manifestation of the Spirit or for healing or for demonstrations of His power. We've been saved primarily for relationship. Repentance leads to reconciliation and relationship. And that must always be your prime motivation. And then these other things will come. So they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Let us all be filled with the Holy Spirit. It says... Don't get drunk on wine in Matthew, doesn't it? Don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Being drunk on wine, that's, that's just another man-made thing. It, have you seen that advert where the guy gets drunk and he thinks he's some superhero and he scales up a scaffolding to rescue someone or something? It's a very false empowering drunk on wine. It's a man-made thing. Get drunk on the Holy Spirit. Be filled and empowered. Have boldness from God. Not, not Dutch courage, but God's courage in you. I was trying to think of an example where I had stepped out bravely in courage. And I was just remembered when I left my job after I've been in this company 11 years. And uh, on my last day, I thought, I really want to just say something to the, everyone. And I prayed in my lunch break. I knew I was going to have to have some presentation afterwards. And I just prayed, oh, I really just want to make the most of this opportunity. And uh, I was trying to remember that I gave them the verses from 1 John 4.19. And this was, this was brave for me. I had all the senior management there. There was about 30 or 40 staff. All the directors were there. And I just gave them the scripture. We love because he first loved us. 
And I just spoke off the back of that about how they need to love one another and encourage one another in this business. And why can we actually do that? It's because God loved you first. And I started just to unravel that for them. It took courage for me, but I just felt the Spirit enable me and give me boldness and take that opportunity to do that. So what, what was the result after they prayed in this way? They spoke the word of God boldly. In verse 31 it says this. They also prayed for signs and miraculous. And, what, that's what they, and later in five, chapter 5 verse 12 it says, they saw many miraculous signs and wonders. So their prayer was answered just as they had prayed. So do you want to just gather in now and come and sit a bit closer to here so you can see the slide? Can we have that slide back up, Colin, on um, the names of God? Do you want to just come to a listen? I know it's difficult me asking you to move. I'll especially use ladies in those very comfortable chairs at the back there. It would be just good for us to just pray out some of these names. There's plenty of seats here. So just get somewhere you can actually read some of these names on the back. And why don't you just pick one? Pick one which you feel you need to kind of address God in this way. Maybe there's something up there that you think, actually, this, I need to know Jehovah Rophe, that he heals. I need to know that he's Jehovah Jireh, that he provides. And if you've got Bible with you, why don't you look up the verse that it gives up there? And then you can start praying out that verse. Because in those verses, it may be a promise about his name. And you can just declare that promise back to God, reminding God of who he said he is, reminding God of his promises, but also reminding yourself. And I believe as we do this, faith rises. So why don't we stand together? Stand if you're able. If you've got a Bible or a Bible app, you can look up the scripture as well can people read them by the way do I need to read through some of them everyone okay can they read those just about I can read some about God is Jehovah. Uh, God is Jehovah Makhadesh. His name means the God who sanctifies. God is infinite. God is omnipotent. This means he's all powerful. God is good. God is love. God is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace, immutable. All that God is, he has always been. 
God is transcendent. God is merciful. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's self-sufficient. God is Jehovah Rapha. He heals. The God who heals. God is holy. He's just. God is sovereign. God is Jehovah Nissi. God, our banner. God is wise. He has infinite wisdom. God is faithful. God is wrathful. God is full of grace. God is our comforter. El Shaddai, God Almighty. God is Father. God is our church's head. He's our intercessor. God is our Adonai, the Master, the Lord. Maybe for some of you, you want to just pray that one. God, Adonai, I pray that you'd be Master of my life. You'd be Lord of my life. You'd take control. God is Elohim, means strength or power.